Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Uh, I'm Brett, I'm, and I'm here with Steve, as always. Steve, how are you doing this week? You know, I thought thought we both had a pretty good grasp on how the conference was going to look going into the year, and um, I don't know what the right word is to describe what we've seen the first two weeks here, but chaotic is is the one that comes to mind. Yeah, and I, I think that I think that's a good way to put it. Um, I would also go with question mark, looking for a way to describe um, kind of what we've seen so far. Um, you could use disappointing to a degree, um, but you know that's that's what we're here for. We're here to break it all down and uh, you know figure out kind of what comes next. So um, I think I think. You know, we we should just jump right into it um, and start with the Gavit games. And we had kind of identified this last week as uh, an opportunity for a lot of teams to really go out and get a quality win on the board. And there were there were some teams that that played pretty well, and we'll get to them. But I think again, we kind of want to start off with some of the the question marks uh, or the disappointments from from this week. Um, so you had four teams that that kind of let opportunities. For, for a good win, uh, slip away a little bit. Um, you had Iowa losing to Creighton. You had Wisconsin losing to Providence uh, in a game that they kind of no-showed the first half. Illinois lost by seven to Marquette at home. Uh, and then um, Maryland, who I'm, I'm sure will we'll have a lot more to say, um, you know, with uh, uh, scoring 40 points against Villanova in a game they lost by 17. Um I I think we should start with Iowa. Um, I was pretty impressed with what I saw out of um, Fran McCaffrey's squad uh, in a road loss, and they lost by eight points to, to a very very good Creighton team. Um, do you think? Obviously, the defense is still going to be a bit of an issue. Um, they gave up 92 points, um, and they they currently uh, rank outside the top 100 in defense. But do you do you think that at least? putting up a good fight on uh, in a true road game against a top 10 team is, is, you know, at least worth discussing considering what we've had to say about Iowa so far. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the, it's, it's really hard to make sense of these four outcomes given that, you know, the the biggest is going to be a pretty strong conference again, you know, in in particular with several teams in the top 10, I, I like and and Creighton, you know, being an elite eight team last year, like I don't know that anyone would have expected Iowa to win this game going in. Um, and and you know, even for that matter, the same to some degree could be said about Illinois against Marquette and Maryland against Villanova. But yeah, I mean, I think um, I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation of his name probably for the next couple of weeks here. But but um, Creek is it Creaky or Creek? I, I believe it's Cricky. Yeah, so Cricky, I mean, you know, 24 points. Um, he, I, you know, I checked actually. Yeah, he's fourth in the conference in scoring. So he's averaging 20 a game in his four games, um, you know, kind of monitoring the interior for um, for Iowa. I think, you know, great performance from him against Creighton with, with, with 24 points in that game. You know, Iowa had four guys in double figures. They had um, good bench production as well. Um, I, I mean, the the fact that their defense, you know, no showed is no different than anything we've seen out of that program from the last few years. So, no, I think the the fact that you know the game was tied at halftime and kind of within striking distance down the stretch, I think 
good moral victory for Iowa at the beginning of the year. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know that there's an expectation that they're going to be going punch for punch with the top quarter of the conference, you know, as when we, once we get into conference play anyway. So I think overall good win, you know, and we'll, we'll see if they can develop consistency going forward. I'm sorry, good, good, lo- like good loss. And we'll see if they can develop sort of consistency going forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I think you made a good point. Like, you know, Illinois, obviously a real tough draw with Marquette. Um, and I think that they, again, you know, I, I, I don't know how much as a podcast we believe in moral victories, but I think showing up to compete against, you know, top 10 teams is, is a good sign early, especially for teams where we might've had some questions about their consistency, um, things like that. And then I think on the other half, you know, you look at, at Maryland, just having a truly brutal start to the season. Um, you know, they, they currently sit at uh, one and three, and, you know, because we had recorded before their game against UAB, which they lost, uh, and then they just put up an absolute dud shooting, you know, less than 29% from the field uh, against a good Villanova team, but still you would have expected a little bit more. And again, I think we're seeing, you know, D- Dante Scott, again, seven points against Villanova um, and Jameer Young um, not shooting the ball particularly well. Uh, Reese. You know, he's he's again, none of these guys are making the impact that they did last year so far. And it's it's pretty clear that this is a team that that could use Hakeem Hart right now, uh, who is on the other side of the Villanova game. Um, and then, you know, you look at at Wisconsin, too, um, and they just their offense has proven that it can be a little tricky to to kind of get going, which is not what you want to see if uh, you sat through last year's Wisconsin team. Um, but I think the the other thing is that their defense is not as solid as it has been in years past, especially early in the season and with so many returners. So I think that, you know, the the shots might will probably start going down, but I think it's the defensive rotations that at least have caught my eye so far. Um, anything think, else? Yeah, the, the, the moral of the story here is that I think for three out of the four teams, I while it's while the losses were um, di- disappointing and, you know, in in terms of Wisconsin, Illinois, and Iowa, they lost opportunities to get a good win that could help them come, you know, bubble time or tournament seating time. I think Maryland's the the big team, you know, that we really need to start raising our eyebrows at. You know, they're they're one in three. Um, Jameer Young's shooting under forty percent from the field. You know, when he was sort of expected to contend for an all conference spot at his position. They look completely out of whack and going in the wrong direction after a really good start to the Kevin Willard era. I do not know what's going on there. I, I do think this, you know, that that game against Villanova in particular had a lot to do with sort of Villanova kind of reemerging from the dead after their, you know, their first year in the post Jay Wright era. And they've, you know, they've got some weapons coming back with with Justin Moore that they didn't necessarily have last year. But uh, Maryland's the big one that I think we. Um, we, we, we need to start seeing them turn around, turn things around quickly or else it's going to get really ugly fast. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, and I think, I think the, the week upcoming, you know, as we'll get to, will be a good indicator of, of kind of where their bounce back ability is a couple other notes from the Gavit games. Uh, we did, there were some, there were some positive results for the conference. Um, you had Michigan going on the road to the garden and, and playing, a very strong game uh, in in a win over St. John's that they they won by 16 and, and really kind of took hold. 
pretty much from the from the you know from the outset and and had a really good offensive showing, um, putting up 89 points and 72 possessions. And you know St. John's is going to be kind of up and down this year, but I think it was really good for Michigan to to go up against an athletic team and and put up that many points. Um, Purdue, Michigan State, and Rutgers all won comfortably. Um, and I think you know given Michigan State's up and down start to the season, I think it was good. It was really good to see them just really take control against Butler and uh, emerge with a 20 point win. Um, and you know so I think I think for the you know it was and also with Rutgers, um, you know it's there's there were a lot of questions after that loss to Princeton, but Princeton looks pretty legit and they're able to take care of a, a pretty underperforming Georgetown team so far, but it's good to see them just get back on track and, you know, move forward. So any, any thoughts on your end on any of those Gavit games? You know, it, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot to, to get excited about. Uh, it, it, great that Rutgers was able to um, not, not fall apart. We know. You know Georgetown. This is this is year one of the Ed Cooley era for them, so they're very much a program in transition, um, trying to transition out of the rear of the Big East. So, as expected there with Rutgers, as expected with Purdue, I mean, frankly, as expected with Michigan State over over Butler. I, I think the win for Michigan was good, but as we'll talk about in a second, they followed that up with a um, with a uh, complete dud. Uh, later in the week. And so I think we got a minimal positive reaction that you take from there, but I think, uh, you know, zooming out, I, I don't think, I think it could have gone a lot worse for the conference and the Gavit games, but definitely a lot left to be desired in terms of just the prominence of this conference nationally. You know, there've been a lot of slip ups really in these first two weeks. And so, um, you know, we'll see, I think we knew that sort of the middle of the conference was going to be uh, a rock fight. And there were a lot of inconsistent teams bunched together in the middle I, I I did thought we would see kind of a stronger top of the conference with, you know, Miss Wisconsin, Michigan State, Northwestern, Maryland, and all those teams seem to be more inconsistent than they are consistent. And I think that's really the the big takeaway for me in, in these games this week. Would would definitely agree with that. Yeah, not, nothing super alarming, but nothing super encouraging either, which I guess kind of mirrors the the first two weeks as a, as a whole. Um, and so I guess I guess in other sort of moral victories, uh, Michigan State also had a big game against Duke, uh, really throwing themselves into the fire this year uh, and lost by nine in Chicago. And it it was a Duke was pretty much in control the entire game. Um, they got up by as much as 12, but it, it never really got super close. Um, they, they were kind of able to pull away more towards the end of the first half. Um, but I think there was a lot to like there if you're if you're a Michigan State fan. I think they're, the the threes are still not falling as often as you would like, but you know they still played a pretty competitive game against one of the best teams in the country. Um, they're seeing a, like more consistent uh, contributions from from Walker. Hagard still kind of has to figure out his shot, and you know Malik Hall had a really nice game against Duke. So I think you know concerns of Michigan state's demise after the, the James Madison loss were a little exaggerated. And I, I don't really think that many people expected them to come into the United center and beat, you know, a, a very, very, very good Duke team. But I think things are, things are kind of coming together a little bit more for Michigan state. Yeah. That's, that's the optimist view. I mean, you know, keep in mind with this Duke team, I mean, they're coming off a, a loss to Arizona where I think, you know, their, their attention was had, you know, and it, it was, it was, 
it would have shocked me if that this Duke team came out flat for, for the champions classic, you know, a few days after that loss to Arizona. So uh, I, I agree. I mean, I think Michigan state, you know, they did a decent job on Filipowski, you know, only 15 points on 13 shots. And I mean, frankly, one of Duke's best players made, you know, four threes in that game at, at, at kind of opportune time. So I think the, the thing, if you're a Michigan state fan, the, 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 positive that you take away from this game is that they were able to sort of muck it up and enforce their, that physical like style that you typically expect from Michigan state, especially after kind of Duke went on the early run. I think the three point shooting is still a problem. I think, you know, frankly, tertiary scoring is still a problem with this team too. Um, they, they do not look like a top 10 team nationally or a team with like an outside shot at the final four. Um, but I, I do think, you know, if you want to take a moral victory away from it, you know, that second half was a lot more of, I think, what we're used to Michigan State looking like. And so maybe that will help them get out of their early season funk. And frankly, the way they showed against Butler, although, you know, you don't want to overstate a, a victory against Butler per se. But, you know, we saw, I think, what um, looks a lot more like the Michigan State team that we're expecting. So um looks like they've turned it around after their sort of early season you know, issues with getting the cobwebs out. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, again, it's still, still a little early going and teams are still sort of feeling themselves out. Um, but I guess it was, it was nice to see them just not roll over, uh, in a game against a, a team with a lot of talent, especially given just how grueling their schedule has been so far. Um, and a couple other, uh, low points for the conference across the week. Um, Minnesota blew a 20-point lead, uh, a 20-point second-half lead to a good Missouri team, but I mean, the 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 data is is not being kind to Ben Johnson. I I I was I was watching this game and it was honestly kind of flummoxing that he was not going inside to Dawson Garcia more. Garcia had a had a pretty nice game against against Missouri and just was not getting the ball down the stretch and it, it is baffling. Um, I, okay. I guess he was, he was pretty inefficient. He's still their leading scorer in the game and just was not touching the ball. I think Ben Johnson opted to have cam Christie run two ISOs back to back down the stretch and both of them missed terribly. And sure you're getting Christie some important reps, but I have my doubts about how he's coaching over there. And I, I, that's a game, especially when you're really kind of grasping for quality wins at any point throughout your coaching tenure, that's, that's a game you really have to have. Michigan gave up 94 points, uh, in a loss to long beach state at home. Um, those are, those are games. You just can't, you can't give up that many points. Like the, the defense has to be better. Um, and it's not like long beach state was really throwing, just throwing up prayers. They were playing good offense and getting shots, in rhythm. Um, and so that's a little worrying to see the Wolverines, uh, in, in kind of a defensive rut like that. Uh, and then Indiana lost by 20 to UConn, uh, at Madison square garden earlier today. Um, I think, you know, UConn's obviously defending national champions. They've got a lot of experience. They're very good. Um, but we're seeing some truly, truly dreadful offense on Indiana's part. Uh, you know, their, their game against army last Sunday and Mackenzie Mbako has been, Virtually no show. Um, and, you know, Indiana was able to do to get Malik Renew going a bit in the post, but there's still no shooting on this team. And even as good as they've been defensively, given with Kel Ware manning the interior, um, these offensive issues have to be sorted out soon or they're 
not going to win a lot of conference games. Uh, anything on on those games, Steve? I, I mean, I think I stand by, you know, what I said earlier. Uh, the, the point about the Gavit games, I think, applies to these games, too. Um, I, I don't think anyone expected Indiana to, you know, beat UConn um, at a neutral site. But the the showing, I think, is 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 what's most disappointing. And um, I, I think most realistic Indiana fans would have thought this year was going to be a tough year. Just, you know, when you transition out of having, you know, two superstars kind of dragging your program to uh, back to relevance and then you lose them. I mean, you know, this, this might be more of a rebuild than, than what people think, but I also think that Mike Woodson has proven that he is a better coach than some of the previous coaches they've had. And so I have confidence that we'll at least get a more consistent brand of basketball. And to the point that you made, um, you know, they're, they're still sort of hanging in there defensively, which um, will matter when conference play comes um, I, I agree with you on Minnesota. This is probably the last time that we're going to talk at all about them on this podcast for the rest of the year, unless they manage to upset someone. But um, it, uh, this, the Ben Johnson experiment is um, rapidly deteriorating. And then I think the, the Michigan result is a little bit perplexing, given how surprising um, their sort of fast start was. Um, so that I, I think on them, you know, we're not really sure if they're a tournament contending team or not, but that loss will surely not help them um, should they land anywhere near the bubble. Yeah, I think this 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 part of the season is really just trying to get I think that especially we've talked about this with the committee kind of valuing just the number of wins you have, uh, just trying to stack those up and not not a great overall look for uh, the conference so far, but it's not all bad. Um we had, you know, two teams kind of worth noting before we get to the preview. Northwestern uh, was able to get a win over uh, Rhode Island uh, earlier this weekend before losing uh, by nine to a, a very good Mississippi State team. Um, so they set it four and one with a win over Dayton. Um, and I think I think that this is kind of the show we expected from Northwestern this weekend. Um, you know, get get one win that is, you know, a solid non-con team and then. Obviously, the, the, there's a in, big increase in, in competition, and uh, they fell short. They, you know, six for 26 from three will not really get it done, but they're still playing pretty good defense. Um, and it's there is obviously still feeling things out offensively. Um, and Boo Booey did not have a great shooting night. Um, but I think, you know, you, you like seeing that that level of competition um, in a in an MTE like that. Um, and then Nebraska three wins this week, including a power five win over, uh, an Oregon state team that is not good, but is still a power five team. They won that game by 21. Um, and I think, you know, with, with this Nebraska team, I think we've talked about kind of their need to just kind of get in rhythm and, and get wins early, uh, especially just bringing in so many new pieces and I, it's gone just about as well as they could have asked for so far. I just I, I have like two and a half comments. The first, it's never fun going to the dentist and Northwestern experienced that firsthand. Um, also, my half point on Northwestern. So you look up Brooks Barnheiser's 11th in the conference in scoring at 17.3 points a game um, and also averaging nine and a half rebounds a game. So I, I don't I mean, I know it's early, but um, that is a huge jump from his production last year. So. Um, I don't want to call it unexpected, but 
if, if he does that, they're going to be in a similar position to know where they were last year in terms of conference hierarchy. Um, and then I think it is great that Nebraska is five and zero. However, I do not think we will be able to call Oregon state a power five team for long. So um, RIP to that, but uh, for this year, they can take credit for that win. Pac-12 will never die in our hearts. No, I, I agree. I think I think Barnheiser stepping up his game was is what exactly what Northwestern needed. And if he can sustain anything even resembling that level of production, uh, it's going to go a long way for for the Cats. And so I think with that, it's time to move into the uh, preview of this coming week. And it is feast week. It's one of the best weeks of the year. There is just so much basketball going on all the time. It's the best. Um, so, you know, we've got a. Big slate Monday, um, and it's headlined by uh, the Maui Invitational, Purdue, and Gonzaga. Um, you know, Gonzaga's flying a little bit under the radar this year, and this is going to be a very good test for for Purdue. Um, you know, only three games so far, only one top 100 Ken Palm game. Uh, so this will be a, a huge test, and I think that there's uh, – you know, Gonzaga is just going to be it's going to be a different style of team that they've played, um, you know, different level of athleticism. And so I think what I'm really looking for is is Smith and Lawyer to kind of have a consistent game um, and not get, you know, not that I don't think they get caught up in the moment necessarily, but it's it's a, their first real high profile test since the NCAA tournament last year. And I'm going to just look for them to play mistake free basketball and uh, work to work to get Edie the ball and, and just be consistent shooting the ball. Um, and then Purdue will have either Syracuse or Tennessee next. Um, both teams that have been uh, obviously Tennessee would be another top 10 game uh, and would be a, a bigger test defensively. Um, and Syracuse obviously still, you know, finding their way out uh, from after Bayheim, but uh, has, has been pretty solid so far. And then we get the, the slow showdown uh, in Virginia, Wisconsin. Uh, it will be a very low scoring game. Um, and it'll be a really good test for Wisconsin to, you know, see how their offense is working after, you know, having a little bit of a rough go of it against Tennessee and Providence. So, you know, Virginia is a team that demands, you know, you have to be careful with the ball and you have to be efficient because you won't get many opportunities in that game. And Wisconsin is going to need to take advantage of every single offensive possession and continue tightening up their defensive rotations. Uh, and then Wisconsin will play either West Virginia or SMU after that, which, again, just another really good opportunity to stack a couple quality wins this week. Uh, Indiana will be playing Louisville in the in in the finals of their tournament um, after after losing to uh, to UConn today. Louisville showed some signs of life against Texas, and I mean, you just you can't lose to this Louisville team. Um, they're not very good, even though even today's result notwithstanding. And and this would be a a really Really bad loss. So we just Indiana needs to just take care of the basketball and not get into foul trouble as they did against a UConn. And hopefully that should be enough to uh, to get that win. Then on Tuesday, as Brett mentioned, you'll see Purdue and Wisconsin, I believe, in action again in the second game of their uh, multi-team events. But what I wanted, what I was going to talk through was the match on Wednesday. Uh, so the battle for Atlantis kicks off there for Michigan. It will take on the Memphis Tigers. So Memphis is three and zero. They're top twenty five in the net where they sit right now. They already have a quality win over Missouri this year. So um, you know I I think that this one to me is all about how 
Michigan responds following the dud against Long Beach State. Uh, it appears that Memphis is is, is, is going to be pretty high tempo, so I expect a shootout in this one. Um, but uh, you know, we, 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 yeah, we, we know that their Memphis is going to want to get up and down and Michigan's defense was I think, exposed really for the first time against Long Beach state. So, um, you know, that, I don't know, the, the field in Atlantis is, is, is pretty interesting. The, um, after this game, Michigan will take on either Arkansas or Stanford and that, um, it, if they manage to win, it will likely be Arkansas, but, and I believe, but I think Arkansas also just got upset as well in the last couple of days. I'm actually looking this up. As they they did uh, to you, Green Greensboro, I believe. Yeah, the UNC Greensboro. So yeah, so you know, I think Arkansas, which uh, which you know has has been pretty a pretty strong program over the last three years. Um, it, it'd be really interesting to see how they bounce back as well. And that could be a potentially interesting second round matchup there. If you get two teams that already have bad losses, but um, you know, are trying to rebound and get back into tournament form. And then moving on to Thursday. Um, so we'll, there'll be a, a Michigan game as, as Steve mentioned. Um, I think the, the, there, I mean, there are a lot of great games in in this one. Um, so Penn State, a, Texas A&M is the first one. And, you know, we've seen Texas, Texas A&M go into Ohio State and win. Uh, this is a top 20 Ken Palm team um, that, again, it's it's just like, you know, that, that um, Mississippi State game where it's just playing them is like going to the dentist. And it's going to be a tough, physical, drawn-out game. Uh, they play super slow. Um, and I, you, you know, I, this is a game where I think if Mike Rhodes had, a, a you know, more of more of his guys instead of kind of this piece together transfer class, I think his, his defensive style would fit in really well in this game and just make it, you know, make it ugly and, 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 uh, get it done. But I don't, I don't know that, uh, Penn state quite has the, uh, the firepower to match up with, you know, guys like Wade Taylor, um, and Henry Coleman. So I think that, that, you know, Penn State should be able to put up a fight, but I think te- I think A&M is going to going to handle them. All right. Um, Oklahoma, Iowa, again, another interesting test for Iowa. Um, you know, Franz showed that he's got his guys ready to play uh, this year. Um, and I think it's it's just another, a chance to stack wins in a for a team that might have trouble getting it done uh, once they need to play more defense. But I think this is one of those games where Iowa will likely be able to outscore Oklahoma and rely on their offense to carry them. And then finally, Michigan state just keeps throwing itself into the gauntlet um, and is playing Arizona. I believe that is also at a neutral site. Um, And, you know, we've, we've seen Eric, we've, we've mentioned Arizona has beaten Duke and Duke beat uh, Michigan state. I think it's another game where just the athleticism level of, of Arizona is going to be a lot for uh, especially kind of a, a smaller backcourt. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot harder for the Spartans to play defense, but they've, they've been pretty consistent on that end so far. So it's really going to come down to, to shooting. They're still only at 26% for the year on three. They're still in the three hundreds. Um, they're, they're going to, they're going to need to hit a lot of shots to win this game. I mean, they have, they have talent. They can, they've got the talent to potentially keep up with Arizona, but Arizona's playing really well right now. And Michigan state still is having trouble shooting. And I think that is going to be the difference in that game. 
And then I'll, I'll round us out here. So Ohio State uh, heads to Florida to the Emerald Classic to kick off play on Friday. They are taking on Alabama. And I think this is this is going to be a adventure of a first matchup for them here. So Alabama has not played anyone yet, but they have rolled. They are averaging over 100 points a game. Uh, they're shooting over 45% from three and in the high 50s from the field. So um, all of that actually, yeah, I, I laughed when I saw this, but Alabama is actually the number two team in the net right now, which actually has them higher than where they're ranked in football, which is interesting. But I think for those who need a little bit of a refresher, um, Alabama does not have, you know, Brandon Miller or or, or many of those horses that um, kind of had them ranked in the top five for most of the year last year. Uh, but their uh, their leading scorer um, is, is is Mark Sears, who's averaging uh, 19 and a half a game, along with almost five rebounds and, and five assists and shooting 65 percent from the field. So this will be Alabama's first test. Um, Ohio State has already been tested, but I think as we've talked about with them before, we um, we know they finished out the year last year, but we also know they're in a little bit of transition as well with um, no kind of ringer like a like a sense and ball that sort of um, hang with top athletes on opposing teams like they had last year. So we'll be interesting to see how well how well coached uh, to, to, to see how well the their coach has them prepared for. For this measure, after you know, if in their next game they'll either play Santa Clara or Oregon, both of those are difficult matchups, whichever way, whichever way you you slice it for them, either. So, um, could be a, a little bit of a rough go of it for Ohio State down in Florida this week, but um, also a great opportunity to pick up quality wins. Um, I think particularly if that if I'd expect Oregon to take care of Santa Clara, and if Ohio State gets the opportunity to play them in a consolation bracket that'd be a good opportunity for them to pick up a quality mid-major win um and then to sort of round out the weekend um, on sunday just wanted to call out two sort of the lower um lower visibility matchups for you guys to keep your eyes on so harvard takes on indiana on sunday um and you know harvard i think well regarded tommy amaker is still there and they're known for sort of um playing a band of brand of basketball that's been that's given issues to many power five teams over the years um, that's one where if indiana is not um, executing well they prime candidate to be upset there so i think that'll be a good litmus test to see sort of where indiana is um uh, in in their transition phase especially you know after sort of the after this uconn game and after you know what hopefully will be a winnable game over louisville um just you know, it'll be, it'll be good for them. This will be a good opportunity for them to sort of stack together a couple of wins. And then the last game that I want to call out for Sunday, which is sort of laughable that we're talking about this, given this team's output last week, Minnesota heads to San Francisco to take on USF um, at, at the Chase Center. That that seems like a pretty cool venue for the sort of lack of star power involved in, in this matchup. I think USF was a popular sort of, underdog pick um uh out in the west coast conference last year um i i don't know that uh they're necessarily sort of getting that much attention this year but this also strikes me as one where if minnesota's down in the dumps and not ready they will um, have trouble getting out of this one with a win so i think again a good test for 
sort of the the state of Ben Johnson's locker room to see if he can get those guys ready to um, take on the Dons um, at a super cool venue and and come out of there with a with an albeit decent um, non conference win over a mid major team. Yeah, I, I will note that uh, Ken Palm has San Francisco winning that game by four points. So take that as you will. I think that just about does it for this week. Um, as always, if you've got any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, Big10hoopsweekly at gmail.com. And we will see you next week.